Hey friends and foes, welcome to Brushwork Podcast. My name is Stephanie Scott and today I have an interview with Grace Athena Flott and we're talking about facing the full human condition when it comes to painting. On the conversation today, we talk about painting disabled figures, having the guts to talk about hard topics, Grace's studio practice, why she's taken a month off of painting, and her new show at the Port of Seattle. Without further ado, here's the interview. Grace, hi, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. For people who don't know your work at all, can you describe what it is that you make? Sure. Yes. Um, I am, I always say that I'm really interested in the body and body liberation. So the kind of myth of normalcy or what is normal for the body. So how that shows up in health and beauty and gender, et cetera. Um, and I mostly do that through paint. So mostly working as a realist painter, but also in printmaking and a little bit of installation. And I think my practice has uh, started to encompass more of like a social art practice. So working a little bit in community, but I was really raised to, you know, this idea of like, what is normal? Mm-hmm. I was raised in white suburban America. Um, and raised to strive towards sort of conformity. And I realized that only after I went through this major kind of biographical disruption and it was from an injury. And so my body was sort of placed firmly outside of mainstream representation. Mm. So I realized that I didn't see myself or bodies like mine really reflected in media. And I thought, well, I need to become an artist and had always loved, you know, drawing and painting as a kid. So I went back to school and learned, you know, artistic anatomy and figure painting and portrait painting, really, so I could start to celebrate, yeah, stories of all kinds of stories about different types of bodies and um, stories about finding belonging and joy. That's a huge pivotal moment in your life, too. Be like, okay, now we we become the artist. Did you want to be a painter before your injury? No, I never thought that art was a real career. <laughs> you know, so that's, yeah, that's real. <laughs> uh, you know, my family is full of kind of teachers, scientists. Um, just there's a couple of artists, but it's definitely in the minority. So I don't come from like a a background that really like encouraged that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always open as a possibility and it was always supported, but yeah, I just never entered my mind. So I had taken a couple of classes in undergrad at the university of Washington, but at that time in my early twenties, um, and more like early in college, I was really interested in labor and economic policy. Mm. So I was very into, and still am, social justice. Uh, And then, yeah, I was injured and just went on a search for meaning, started taking classes again. I realized that when you make something with your hands, you know, physically, when you're involved in a process and you see something created directly from your own um, fingers, it's just a really powerful experience. So, and then it combined with just the kind of imagery um, that I saw 
I, I was able to make. I thought this is a way for me to start putting uh, my story out there and to make images that I need to see in the world. That is very cool. You went back to school. So you got your degree from University of Washington. Yes. And then not in art and something else. Not in art. Right. Yeah, not in art. And then you went back to school. I know you went to Gage. Can you tell me a little bit about your about choosing to go back and Yeah, no. I I truly feel like I just I almost I didn't stumble into it, but I was like I really just want to take a couple classes. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> It always starts like that. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I took a portrait drawing class from an instructor that ended up being one of the assistant teachers in the full-time atelier program with Juliet Aristides. So I was ended up just walking into that atelier classroom and saw the paintings. And at that time, I was just utterly blown away by the fact that that kind of art even still existed. Right. Um, I just was like, I didn't know that anyone made anything that wasn't abstract or purely conceptual. And I think going back to what I was saying earlier about not really having a lot of art exposure early in life. um, I had always thought that art was something that you needed a theory degree to understand. Right. Like you had to be like a cool kid with like art theory, <laughs> like as your undergrad. And it was very like for like rich kids. Gotta be an art bro. Um, <laughs> yeah, art bro energy. Um <laughs> so uh I just was like, oh, I understand this. And my mom is a librarian, so you know, we always had tons of books around, and I think like illustration was always really present illustrated children's books. Um, So yeah, I just thought this is like super accessible and it's gorgeous. I can speak with this language. The figure feels Mm -hmm. like a language to me. It gave you the vehicle for sending out your message. Absolutely. I feel like it's like, there's no mystery to it. You know what you're talking about with your artwork and it (laughs) is a very clear, um, way of getting to your viewers at least it gets to me when I when I see your paintings I'm just like holy cats that's <laughs> it's intense and it's supposed to be and Thanks. I and I like it thank you <laughs> lately you've been making some prints using your burn scars and mm-hmm. I think those are fascinating how did you one come up with the idea to do it were you inspired by something and two why um why are you making it <laughs> yeah good question <laughs> Um, I, as a realist painter, that's like a particular language, right? Where you're sort of giving the literal narrative to someone. Sure. And it's, I have done self-portraits, obviously in realism, and that's been really powerful to describe my surface, um, in an illusionistic way where it's like, yeah, this is what I look like and just spending time observing. So, cause my process used to be primarily observational. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I found like, before I started print print making the scars, I was just like, I wanted to 
you know, see myself in paint, right? And so there was that language and that experience with the description, like painting as a description. And then um, I honestly don't know how I got the idea. I think I just spent a, I started spending more time with printmakers. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I think my definition of portraiture and a self-portrait has been very narrow. And what would it look like if I started using my more of my body, right? Not just my hands yeah. to make a self-portrait. And um, yeah, so I just I just tried it um, a couple of years ago. It was probably the first winter of COVID <laughs> being like alone at home. And yeah, so it's really easy to do. It's basically a, like a relief uh, woodcut. So when you have like a, a textured surface, you can just roll ink with a brayer right onto your body and so then funny. press paper. <laughs> yeah, and just pull the print. And <laughs> I pulled these prints from my body. I was like in the bathroom and just, <laughs> I tried it. I have a huge, I have 50% burn scars. Um, 50% of my body is covered with scars. And so I have a lot of source material. Um. <laughs> I love I love when you spend enough time with printmakers, you start thinking of anything can be a print. <laughs> yeah, anything can be printed. Anything. <laughs> but um, but more seriously, I I love I love these prints of yours. And if you didn't know that they were burn scars, you'd be like, oh, these are interesting abstractions. Yes. And that's a fun dichotomy <laughs> to talk about and to to just have up and Yeah. When you first started sharing your work beyond your your studies at Juliet's Atelier, how did you feel like your work was received? Yeah, um most people love it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's generally super super positive. Um you know, I made a couple bodies of work before the current one, so I have talked about like my own um, experience with injury and like temporary disability and uh, disfigurement. And then the last body of work I did exposure therapy was based on this idea of leaving yourself open Mm -hmm. without defenses. So Mm -hmm. thinking about like vulnerability and that was a lot of like interior spaces, still life figure in interior um, so yeah, I don't know. People, uh, I think are always like, oh, this, you know, the paint is amazing, which I always appreciate. Cause it's sort of like, I never feel that way, <laughs> but, <laughs> A little but there. <laughs> more, yeah, there's always that voice. Um, but the recent one is a specific portrait project of people in my community, friends of mine. And to me, it's just a portrait project, but Mm -hmm. clearly for, for the normies out there, it's people with burn scars who often have some kind of facial difference or visible difference from scarring. And yeah, the responses have been, um, again, very positive, but like, also you get folks who are just like, oh my God, I can't believe that you can stand to listen to their stories. That's just so nice, you know, that you're, <laughs> you're doing this to support, to support these sad, sad people. Oh 
Um, I, I bet you get a lot of, um, this would look really good in my doctor's office. Oh, that has straight up been said to me. No. Yeah. When I was, when I was looking for a venue for the exhibition, which is opening like next week at the port of Seattle, mm-hmm. I, I started looking for a venue last winter for it. And I had someone point blank, just be like, that would look great in the hospital. So <laughs> yeah, there's definitely, it's just shown me how I think we have a pretty low tolerance still in our culture for talking about hard things, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and there's been a lot of progress, obviously, for like so many different groups and marginalized identities. There's still something with disability and the body and disfigurement where people really want it to just be like a medical issue Mm -hmm. cut and dry Mm -hmm. right end of story um so I feel like a lot of what I do you know it's like I make the work um I've done the interviews with every participant that I I painted but then a lot of it is like being an educator being a politician for the work you know letting people know that it's not just about trauma um that it's about community and redefining uh, beauty and just feeling good in your body. Like who doesn't want that? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. Everyone should have that. You've mentioned, oh, I think you said social artwork. And then you just mentioned interviews. You've been taking interviews of all the people you've painted. What are you going to, what are you going to do with those? Yeah. I have a friend who's a social practice artist and I don't fully know what that means, but I feel like it is, uh, it's just a nice almost antidote to the kind of alone in the studio classical training that I was brought up in. Mm -hmm. So working more um, with a group of folks to like, you know, bring almost a collective art vision to life. So Yeah, I approached each of the paintings by almost, well, it's a collaboration to me. Um, So I interview everybody extensively and everyone that I painted for this new icons project is a friend of mine. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's like building the relationship with folks. And that's been really important because when, you know, you have any kind of visible difference or something that makes you stand out. Um, a lot of people experience staring and invasive comments and just like point blank harassment on the street. Mm -hmm. So like building trust, um, with folks is really important and creating the opportunity for them to have ownership or, um, like right of refusal and like more agency in the process. So yeah, we interview or I interviewed everybody um, just about like, what does it look like to navigate the world in this body? Um, mm. What kind of representation would you like to see? Uh, how has this injury changed your sense of self and your identity or how to, has it intersected with like different areas of your life? So moving the conversation beyond just like, tell me what happened to you. Tell me about the worst day of your life. (laughs) Over and over and over again. (laughs) Over and over again. Um, Yeah. So the interviews are right now just up on my website with each of the paintings. So the idea being to let the person in the painting speak 
Um, and then I want to put them into a podcast because I feel like it's just a super accessible uh, medium. So that would be an excellent idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you interview people before you painted them or after? Uh, most, most all of them before. Do you think yeah. it influenced your painting? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they're, each one is really different. Um, I had someone come to the show and they were like, yeah, it's like, they're all like really different paintings, like kind of different styles almost. And it's, it's like that because it really is like a commission in a way. Mm -hmm. Like I was trying to figure out, you know, what kind of mood do you want? What kind of colors do you like? Is there a certain place or object that um, is connected to this experience for yeah. you? So yeah, absolutely. Do you take commissions alongside this project? Uh, I do. Yeah. Um, I do commissions like on the side forever and ever. So yeah, teaching commissions. <laughs> um, yeah, I've done a couple commissions, uh, portrait commissions for other burn survivors who just wanted their painting or like maybe they wanted a family portrait. Um, yeah. Yeah. Such a, it's such a strong portrait. And you, when I, when I look at them and I'm like, oh, I, I feel like I, I do know this person now. And, and the mm -hmm. like, I'm going to call it Renaissance iconography that you've got going on is so, it just like makes it better. <laughs> it's just like so fun to see symbolism that you're familiar with when it comes to like, you know, Christianity or whatever it is. And then you, you see it in, in the state of these beautiful people. I, it's great. Yeah. I don't really have a point here, but I just, it's yeah, really cool. <laughs> thank you. A lot of it is about almost reinserting us into the canon, you know? Yeah. Like I think, Art history is amazing and I love it. I look at it all the time and also like not many of us see ourselves in it. And that's important that we add ourselves back into that. It's very true. It's very true. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I, I've been traveling recently and I went to an archaeological museum and I was like, oh, there's a lot of iconography of people who don't look like real people. <laughs> like, <laughs> totally. <they look> like <laughs> just like vague ideas of a human. And it's, it's, I'm like, are you, are you supposed to connect with it? How do you connect with it? You know, I feel like it's one of its major faults, but I think what you're doing here does balance that out and it's very cool. Oh, thanks. I've talked to a lot of artists in the past who want to approach heavy ideas like trauma and political ideas and things like that. And they, they put them into their artwork, but they hide them in their artwork. And they feel like they, if they do speak out very blatantly about what they're talking about, they'll lose their audience. They'll, for whatever reason, they something prevents them from doing it. Do you have any advice for someone who's like, oh, I do want to approach these themes, but I'm not, I'm not sure how or if I should. Mm. I mean, I I know it's scary. Um, I think it's scary because it's just you never know what people are going to say, mm -hmm. and I think. Um, but then you look at museums and it's like every amazing major museum show has like real life issues connected to it. So I just don't know if there's art out there that isn't, um, actually connected to like the personal or, you know, we all have life experiences and like, I don't know how you feel, but even with abstract painting or, I mean, I think about how Jackson Pollock was just a raging 
traumatized alcoholic, <laughs> True. you know? <laughs> yeah. So I think it's whatever shows up in your life shows up in your art, whether you are trying to hide it or put it out there. Um, for me, I've just never had a choice because I literally wear my scars on my sleeve. Mm -hmm. So um, I think finding community is extremely important. Finding folks who really understand what you're trying to do. Um, thinking about who your audience is, what you're trying to say and why. Um, I don't think my art is for everyone and that's okay. And I think most artists, their art is not for everyone either. <laughs> Maybe. I don't think every I, yeah. person is for everyone even. <laughs> right. So yeah, yeah, you can't be right. Like you can't be a people pleaser in your art. Um, but finding community and just trying stuff out. Um, and if you have something that you really want to say, um, I think more power to you. We need more diverse voices and we need to be less afraid of facing the full range of human emotions and human condition. There's a moment that happens when you are vulnerable with your art, when you are able to show your work. And if you are hiding the message too much, you are going to miss out on connections. You're going to miss out on opportunities to make someone else's life better <laughs> to get them yeah. thinking about what's going on. And if you're passionate about something and you're, you're kind of talking about in your work, but you're not like writing about it, writing the story. Like I know I have a lot of, I, I make abstraction. I do geometric work, but every single painting has an emotional core to it that if I don't spell it out to people, they'll totally miss. And I miss out on you know, that connection, but also, you know, maybe mm -hmm. a buyer and maybe, I don't know, a collector way down in the road. It's, it's better to, to share what you're thinking and, and yeah, to my be risky. <laughs> I, it totally is. And like, if not in art, like when, when and where, right. Um, I have students who like, I teach foundation drawing and painting and I see their work and, it, you know, it may just be a still life or a landscape, but you get into conversations with people and it's like, actually you know these objects are from my grandmother's house where we always spent our summers and it's like that's the kind of stuff people love right love story <laughs> mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. yeah share your stories it's gonna be great yeah <laughs> um you mentioned briefly that you have a show with the port of seattle coming up and is it up now it's actually up right now congratulations yes. Thank you. Yes. How, thank how you. was getting that show like? Um, it was good. I just, like I said in the beginning, <laughs> I should have gone in a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so it took a while. I actually was supposed to uh, show it at the Museum of Museums in Seattle, but oh, then but that place, they permanently closed. And so I pivoted and just a couple of months before it was supposed to debut um I just was looking around again and talking to pretty much everybody that I know I mean that was how it happened um just putting the word out to all my friends and network and seeing what could come up um and I ended up meeting the curator for the port um Port of Seattle actually has a huge art budget 
So it's one of the biggest in the country. They do like 1% of all of their capital spending or something goes towards art. We love to so hear it. yeah, we love to hear it. Um, and that's why SeaTac has so much art. The airport has so much art. But the show is at the headquarters for the, for the Port of Seattle. And that's actually down on the waterfront. It's at Pier 69, kind of closer to the Olympic Sculpture Park. So Amazing. it's up right now. Yeah. How long does the show go for? It's up for three months. So it's up until February 29th, 2024. Yeah, it's open to the public. That's amazing. I cannot wait to go visit yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, you should come. The opening is on December 14th, Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. So that'll be before this airs. But I know that yeah. a lot of listeners of Rushwork are working artists and they have <laughs> this podcast on it while they're working in their studio. At least that's what I hear from y'all. Um, <laughs> can you talk about networking a little bit? You said you just worked with your network and talked to a lot of people. For someone who is more of a beginner in the art field, what's some advice you would have around networking? <laughs> I mean, I hate networking. I think everyone hates that word a little bit, but <laughs> making connections, I guess, in order to get yeah. say a show at the Port of Seattle. Yeah. Like you that was years of work, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean it's been like that happened because I have a studio at an art studio building mm -hmm. at the Inscape Arts Building in Seattle. And another artist in the building um, knew the curator. And so I knew that artist. And like, it is really just being in a place and I think supporting other people's work, getting really interested in what other people are doing. That just helps getting you out of your own head and your own studio. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I found this year that's really helped is just actually nailing down almost like an elevator pitch. And yeah. that seems super um, salesy or, you know, like I think it can feel inauthentic, but I spent a lot of time because this project, New Icons, is like, it's really specific. It's about a specific community. Um and it deals with like some issues. I wanted to be very clear about the message. And I found that when I could narrow that down and just say it with confidence, like I was getting a lot more, um, I was able to connect with people much more easily. Mm. And I felt more confident with just introducing myself and saying like, this is what I'm working on. What are you working on? How does that connect? you know, I'm looking for a venue, clearly knowing what you're looking for also, mm -hmm. right? Like you can go and just meet people or you can be like, I actually need a venue. <laughs> like I need these things. And like, it's okay to just say like, what do you know about pop-up spaces or where do you think this would fit? Um, yeah. So I think being clear about what you're bringing to the table and like what you're looking for. That's a really great advice asking people for what you need. You can pull in Amanda Palmer here and just ask for what you need because in return, people ask, will ask you for what they need. So it does balance out. It's not like you're just asking all the time. It's you create community building is a give and take and it's wonderful yeah. that way. Absolutely. And showing up for other folks when they need it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you some questions about your creative practice just in general. Um, can you describe your studio space? Sure. 
Um, my studio is like a storage closet. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's bigger than a storage closet. It's, but it feels like one because it's so full of stuff. It's only like 12 by 12 feet. And yeah, so it's not big. Um, I've made two solo shows in it. It's possible. Amazing. You don't need a huge studio to sure. crank it out. Yeah, it's, uh, it's got a beautiful north light window which I love for painting. And like I said, it's at a studio complex um, with a bunch of other artists. It's a, like a quieter building, but it's very much in the city. So it's easy for me to get there. I like having the separation from home. So I don't know what about my creative practice. What do you want to know? Well, I want to know, yeah. first off, are you a full-time painter? I am. Amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. That's super cool. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I should probably get a part-time job at this point, but... <laughs> hey, there's no shame yeah. for part-time jobs. I, I pick them up, yeah. put them down whenever I need. It's great. Yeah, I teach. I teach private lessons. I teach, um, like, youth and adult art classes around town at the different art centers. Mm -hmm. And then I take commissions and sell originals and sometimes sell prints. So... Fabulous. I do everything. We love multi-income yeah. streams. They're perfect. Um, yes. Can you tell me what a typical studio day looks like for you? Where you're like, okay, today we're going into the studio, like from breakfast. What does, <laughs> what does your day look like? Yeah. From breakfast. So from like six cups of coffee, I transition <laughs> with my palpating heart. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. I usually spend like an hour answering emails in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, just once you start exhibiting, there's so much communication that goes into it. And so I try to stay on top of that, but I also try to not let it take over. Yeah. So I try to time box um, all the communication stuff. And I even have like a signature on my email that says, I don't respond quickly um I just give it like three to five days usually getting back to people you're honest so, I like it yeah yeah <laughs> um and then I like to get to the studio about 10 and I try to work if I'm in the flow with painting and I'm working towards a show then I'd really try to work um from like 10 to 6 at the studio that's a long time yeah um and there's breaks in there so I usually have like a meeting or something, or I'm teaching a student, um, online and yeah. So I get some good work done in the morning. My kind of studio, um, morning time is just getting back into the work. I usually only have one painting at a time that I'm cranking on. So it's setting up the palette. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of like side eyeing the painting, like while I'm getting going, laying out the palette, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm watching you. <laughs> I'm watching you. Like, you know, is it going to be a good day? Is it going to be a day where I'm just like, maybe I should have stayed home? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I just get right into it and I listen to a lot of audiobooks. Mm. So, what are you listening to right now? Well, nothing right now. I've actually been taking a break um, from painting for about a month. So since I 
uh, put up the show. Yeah, I've been taking a break and I've actually been working a lot more on the admin side because I made an entire catalog. So I made an exhibition catalog. That's a lot of work. Um, yeah, I had a friend, a graphic designer who made it for me, but like planning it and promoting it. Um, and yeah, I just have work up at like lots of different venues right now. So it's been busy, but I don't know. It's good to take a break. It's I good. think having, it's good. especially after you like get everything set up, you're like, okay, my hands could use some time <laughs> to mm-hmm. like recover. And I, I tried to take a month off of painting every year and just, oh, yeah. just like really let myself have moments away from the easel. So I, I get it. it. Sometimes it's like, it's still work. It's still like, okay, we're making catalog and we're like updating shows and <laughs> yeah, doing all that. Tons of ex- extra work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know that it will be really busy again and like it's getting busy again for the holidays, mm-hmm. but yeah, I had to take a break. Um, and just like promotion takes a lot of time and effort. So that's part of artist's job too, putting yourself out there. It's like half the job. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, some right now it feels like 75% of the job because mm-hmm. <laughs> I finished the show and <laughs> got to tell people about it. So you, yeah. we return to our previous question. You, you wake up, you six cups of coffee, you go to the studio <laughs> after an hour of emails, you paint till six. And then do you have like a hard deadline at six? Well, my partner has a regular full-time job. Mm-hmm. So I keep very regular Monday to Friday hours. That's good. So that's kind of why like I just come home because I want to spend time with my partner. Yeah. And we have dinner. Um that's healthy. And try to try to live my life. Yeah. Outside <laughs> the studio. Um I yeah, I don't know. During the day, I really am I tend to be like a monk in the studio. I will have lunch with someone sometimes or go on a walk I think it's really important to break up the day and take a lot of breaks so um I listen to like I said audiobooks or podcasts and I feel like that sets me in a rhythm of like working for an hour and then stepping away from it or listen to a chapter and step away yeah but it is pretty focused um the studio is really where I go to make things and then I work at home on the computer so I really like that separation. I I know a lot of people find it. You, you you get your first studio and you get it and you're really excited for months at a time. And then, you know, at some point you get on your phone and you're in your studio space, but you're here tapping away on your cell phone. Right. <laughs> do you have, um, I'm going to call it any good creative hygiene habits that you that you keep? Gosh. That can be a problem, I think, if the painting isn't working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or just like, I have like periodic insomnia. And so often I'm just showing up and I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, what can I get done? But maybe because of the fatigue, it's just harder to focus. Um, Do you have systems in place that, that when you're in those moments of struggle that help you? I try to, at the beginning of every painting session, actually do like a five minute meditation where I do like a body scan. Mm. So I check in with like each area of my body and just really try to feel and breathe into each area 
So I mean, the coffee thing is kind of a joke, but not really. Like I am, sometimes I show up in the morning and I'm, I'm really like peak energy and it's almost too much. And yeah. so I have to like bring it down to, okay, here we are. We're in our space. What are we doing today? And just ground myself with a meditation. And then I actually make like a list or I look at each area and I say, I'm going to finish this today, finish this today, like have very specific goals, like what color, what value, what area mm-hmm. needs to be done. And even if it doesn't all get done, at least that's my roadmap and that's my list. And so it's there and I know that's the path that I'm on. And it just helps to track, right? The work. Cause I think day in and day out in the studio, you can definitely lose track of like what you're absolutely where you're at in the process, right? You get to that middle stage. <laughs> you're like, where am so I? Good. That's so good. I'm like, oh, I should start doing that. Like <laughs> just having like a little book yeah. of like my, what needs to happen next. But yeah, keep going. But I think just breaking it up with lots of breaks. Um, there have been times when I work under deadlines and I really do have to set almost like a timer to go off every hour. And yeah. so I, I'll set and take a break and then that will remind me you know, this is just like a five or 10 minute break, come back to it. That's excellent. Oh, thanks for sharing those. That's, that's pretty cool. Sure. I, like those. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like to ask that question because I feel like everyone has very different answers and, you know, what works for mm. someone might not work for you, but it's, it's cool. And it's, it's fun to know your own ways to keep your creativity going. Cause I feel like when we're artists full time, it's, it's like the creativity doesn't wait for inspiration. The creativity doesn't wait mm-hmm. for when you're feeling good. And you mm-hmm. just, uh, you got to keep going when you got deadlines. Yeah. And just stay off Instagram. <laughs> just say no. <laughs> just say no. Um, <laughs> just time box it. Uh, you can turn off your notifications. The world's not going to end. It saves your lives. I, I do not have Instagram notifications on and it's been the, the best idea I've ever had. Me either. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I go, one thing that I've struggled with is actual like burnout. Like I've really gone through cycles of burnout. Yeah. And I think that we don't talk about that very often because there is the idea that you're an artist and you love what you do and you must just be just brimming with inspiration constantly. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. Um, but it's, it is a job. Um, and I think because I'm also really into like these long projects, like I just love really digging into stuff for like these, you know, months or years at a time. Like my current project took like four years to come to fruition. That's a long time. Yeah. And so I don't, I just want to say that like things don't happen overnight and social media does not accurately represent like the timeline right of creation um I think it is really important to take breaks I think yeah just like the burnout piece trying to connect with community finding um ways to experiment and kind of break up your routine has been really important there's a difference between burnout and taking a break 
I feel like a lot of mm-hmm. artists think, oh, I'm taking a break because I'm burned out. But no, you need to schedule your breaks. You need to make sure yes. you're taking them more than just a five minute break during the day. But it's also like, yes. am I taking a weekend off? Am I taking a month off in the future that's planned? And that's yes. how you can prevent your burnout. Take an entire weekend off. Like you can do this like a regular job. Mm-hmm. It can be like Monday to Friday. You can take Fridays off every week if you want. <laughs> I think artists... If you can. Yeah, we yeah. we tend to overwork because there is a pressure and it, we mm. are our own bosses and we're like, if I just keep going, then the wheel won't stop and I won't have to start it over if I take a break. And that's a misconception I hear all the time. And my own relationship with the rest is always strife. I have many podcast episodes about it. I yeah. even hired a coach to help me get through it. And really? Yeah. Um, life coach Baker. She's awesome. <laughs> um, cool. And just honoring rest as part of your creative process is, yeah, it's so important. Yeah. I mean, constant work is part of like white supremacist capitalism. And so like, we, <laughs> yeah, we need to stop. We need to step away. And I struggle with it um, because it's part of the culture of work, um, even beyond art. Uh, but I get clients email me on the weekends. I get work related, you know, texts after 7 p.m., and I just don't respond. I try really, really hard to not respond because um, no one is going to set those boundaries for you. It's true. It's true. No one's going to set your mm-hmm. boundaries for you. You've got to. Hey, what are what are some things that you've been reading or around the subject or listening to that you would recommend? Oh, well, I was gifted a book called Rest as Resistance. Ooh. Yeah. And I'm forgetting the author, but she's the founder of the nap ministry. And it's, (laughs) yeah. So it's like a, I think it was a movement that was started online and it connects in with like, I want to say liberation theology and like black liberation. And uh, I started reading that book and it's just a really nice I mean, the concept is incredible. Rest is resistance um, because, yeah, like in the end, like you only have one body and you only have one life and, you know, you have to live that life. Um, You're going to be the only person that lives with those consequences. So um, I have certainly experienced that. Uh, I've also done... (laughs) Uh, figurative art cadaver lab like for artistic anatomy and so recently I was like oh yeah we only have one body like I need to rest (laughs) (laughs) um so I don't know that was a good book rest as resistance if you're Uh, anything like me listener and you struggle with rest and uh here's an exercise that I like that I had to do for myself to actually get me to do it you make a little uh, four square quadrant and on one section you have passive rest and it's things you can do that are passive like watching Netflix or taking naps and then you have like active rest which is like things that feed your your creative soul (laughs) where it's Mm -hmm. like we're doing a coloring book and it's resting we're doing our knitting we're doing a puzzle with our friends we're going I don't know (laughs) on a walk Mm -hmm. and that's active and then you have 
Um, it's nice out weather, resting items. And then you have, it's <laughs> gross outside and I'm stuck at home, resting items. And you make yourself this little quadrant. And then mm. whenever you're like, okay, I need to chill out. You pick one of those things and it works really well. Yes. <laughs> I love that. And the fact yeah, that I, I this chart is like top tier, but you know, here we are. Oh, I'm, I'm with you. I have little <laughs> notes all over my house like that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a note that says, don't apologize for your needs. Mm-hmm. Listen to your needs. Right. I like I think, yeah. And I think especially as women too, like there's so much, um, expectation and pressure to do a lot of extra labor in the world and to be self-sacrificing and I've struggled with that and still do and it's like we have to acknowledge it just just acknowledge it you gotta you gotta Grace what's next for your work you got any shows after the one at the port of Seattle's coming up or is over I don't have any exhibitions planned. Uh, The new icons show will be up at the Port of Seattle at Pier 69 through the end of February. And I am hoping to release all the interviews as a podcast. Um, So that'll be a project. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm right now. I did make the exhibition catalog. So that's available for people to buy on my website um if you want to take home a piece of the show from anywhere in the world um i'm so so proud of this catalog my friend scott mcstall designed it and it's just so gratifying and incredible to see your work in a book like that's something i would really recommend to people like i'm self-publishing it and Mm -hmm. i'm printing it i'm printing it locally in seattle at girly press inc and it's just really cool to be able to archive my work and to get an ISBN number so I can submit it to the Library of Congress. Like, I think that we all deserve that. Yeah. Um, and it was, it's not that hard. I mean, it takes time, but like, it's all the information's out there about how to do it. So the exhibition catalog is available. Um, and then I am teaching a workshop in Seattle in person on January 13th. It's just a one day, one day in-person workshop on figure painting with a focus on color. Nice. So yeah, it's going to be at Artisan Craftsman. Yeah. In the U district. Best art shop ever. Okay. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's a great, yeah. Art store and in the back, they have their classroom space. So I'm teaching there. Um, mostly I teach online, so I do private lessons and some online classes here and there. But this is the first time that I'm I'm sort of restarting my in-person teaching. So doing that. Um, yeah, and I think there'll be another one in March. So heck yeah. January 13th is the workshop. How can people find you on the internet? On my website, which is my name, graceathenaflot.com. Um, Athena, like the Greek goddess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then same thing on social media. I think my handle is Grace Athena Art, and I'm there. I'm everywhere, but mostly on my everywhere. website. I love mm-hmm. it. 
I will have everything that we talked about linked in the show notes for y'all. So you don't have to rush and search them. It, it'll be there for you. <laughs> and including <laughs> Grace's workshops and places we've talked about in the Port of Seattle show, things like that. And her catalog, which you should absolutely go check out because I think it's going to be beautiful. I'm, I'm absolutely going to order one. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Grace, thank you for being on Freshwork. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Stephanie. Yeah. It's so nice to talk about these things and just get into some stuff. Appreciate it. Yay. Thank you so much to Grace for being on Brushwork today. If you want to hear more about what's going on with Grace, you can sign up for her mailing list. It's in the show notes. That'll be announcements about our podcast, future shows, and opportunities to collect her art. If you've liked today's podcast, I would appreciate a thumbs up, a subscribe, a five-star rating, whatever the rating system is, wherever you're listening to this. And I have a question for you listeners. I really would love to know, where have you been listening to Brushwork lately? Is it at your home studio? Is it in the car? Is it on a walk? Will you leave it in a comment for me? Because I want to know. All right, that's it, everyone. Make good choices, and I'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.